Let's begin with in, uh, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for, for our Lord who has, who has promised to be with us always to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the age, who comes into our lives and turns everything upside down and puts everything in, in good order, uh, does not reject us, but is always Yes, our answer to him is always yes. His answer to us is always yes. Thank you for being with us tonight. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon each one here tonight and on all of those people that, whose names we just, we just mentioned over the course of this weekend. Lord, touch them, open their hearts, and bring them close to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I always try to say, I always try to say, if I can, I always try to say yes when someone asks me to do something, uh, if at all possible. It's something that I learned from our Lord, of course. Um, and he had a wonderful example right in his house of someone who taught him how to do that and showed him how to do that in the person of Our Lady, uh, whose immaculate conception we humbly observe tonight. Um, and this day is especially significant to me because it was on this day in 2009 that I received my marching orders to be a deacon. And I received them from Our Lady in a most interesting way. Uh, interesting to me, okay? And <laughs> we'll see if it's interesting to you. Friends, I am what is, what is commonly called a convert to the, to the Catholic faith. And uh, though I have to confess... With the passing of time, I think I've come to believe that all Christians are converts. We have to be. And it's a lifetime process. And we're not converted just once. We're converted over and over again. And we have to be converted over and over again because we need to be. That process is not going to be complete until we step into the presence of the Lord. Uh, I wasn't brought up with any religion, any, any particular faith, except this. This is, the only, this is what, I, what I know and what, I was, what was drilled into me from the time that I was a, that I was a, a little boy, I wasn't Catholic. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. It was drilled into me that whatever else I was, I was not, I was not Catholic. That was made very clear to me. Um, in the 1960s, like almost everyone that I knew, I was part of the, what we called the counterculture back then. And... Um, the first time that my life fell apart, the first time that my life fell apart completely, and that I cried out to God for help, was in 1971. It was in 1971, and a very kind uh, Baptist minister one night preached the gospel to me and to my friend Steve Whiting. God rest his soul; he's gone on to be with the Lord. Um, and I heard it. I heard. I heard it. My parents were, were not churchgoers and, and not believers, at least not until late in life in the case of my mother. Um, but they always farmed me out on Sundays. They farmed me out to the local Methodist church, usually, wherever we happened to be. Dad was a radio announcer, so we traveled a lot, and so we were in a lot of different places. And uh, he farmed me out to the local Methodist church. So I, I was very familiar with church. But when I cried out to God and he answered me, when I was in desperate need, uh, I began to put two and two together. Oh, this is what all that meant. This is what all of this is about. This is what all that Bible stuff is about. It's about trusting God. It's about opening myself up to him. Oh, 
this is not what I thought it was. <laughs> this is not what I thought it was. Um, several weeks after this person, uh, this, this kind Baptist minister preached to me, somebody else preached to me. I was at the, at the uh, Memorial Union building at the University of New Hampshire. And I didn't pray then to, uh, especially to receive our Lord, but I did pray for the Holy Spirit. And he led me in this prayer. And, you know, I, there were no flashing lights and there was no miraculous signs, but the deal was sealed then. That was done then. And I knew it. And I knew that nothing was going to be the same. It just, it just wasn't. Absolutely everything changed. And I began to try to live as a follower of Jesus might live. I mean, I didn't really have any idea what that was and what that was like. Um, I had many adventures over the years. We don't have time for them tonight. I'd love to tell you some of those stories. <laughs> I'd love to tell you some of those stories. Maybe one day I'll be able to do it. But, uh, but over a period of, of time, I found that I was drawn to Catholic things. And... Um, in 2006, I found myself face-to-face with a decision. I'd come to this, this amazing crossroads. I'd actually been there before. And uh, there was one obstacle. There was one last, one last domino that had to fall before I, could, before I could become Catholic. It was Mary. And like a lot of Protestants, who is who is this and why does this devotion, it sure looks like people are worshiping her. I mean, I know better now, but it sure looks like that from the outside. And um, again, another, another whole talk maybe in, in about the brief story that G.K. Chesterton wrote that had the lines in it that made me suddenly understand, oh, that's what this is about. Well, I finally decided in that moment that, that um, Mary was not a threat, but this was a part of salvation history, and I, didn't, I had never seen that. Well, now I did see it. I did see it. And, and in, that, in that moment, you'll appreciate, you'll appreciate this, because I'm sure you've, you've had this, this kind of experience before. In that moment, there was like, yes, I, I, okay, something I've been struggling with. I understand now. I understand this. And then it was, immediately it was, uh, but now I've got to go talk to a priest. I've got to do something about this because there is nothing keeping me from accepting the invitation to come into God's church. There was nothing there to keep me from doing it. It was a very challenging moment, but um, the following Sunday, I went to my first Mass. It was at Our Lady of Hope in uh, Ipswich. Um, I went to my first Mass, and I began, to, began the process of seeking communion with the Catholic Church. I was received into the Church in 2008. It was a small matter of an annulment that had to happen from years and years and years before. A process, by, by the way, a process that I found incredibly difficult but incredibly healing. I can't describe it. Any, it was, it's, I always tell people, that, and now as a, as a deacon I can do this to, to help people who, who would like to pursue that because there is nothing to be afraid of. And it's, it's not easy, but you would, you, the, uh, the, the blessing is, 
is palpable in that. So I was received into the church in 2008. Some of you might, re- might remember that in, uh, in 2008, that was as early as, as Easter could be in the, in the calendar year. Uh, it was in March of 2008. And two weeks later, I lived my Crucio. Two weeks later. How many of you know George Howe? You must know George Howe. No, anybody know George Howe? No? George Howe was the, was the, the voice of Crucio in the men's group that I was a part of in the, in, in the church. And it was a loud voice. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just leave it at that. And an and, and insistent voice. But I, uh, I'm grateful for the fact that he, uh, that he insisted on this. So two weeks after being received into the church, I lived my Crucio. Um, I'm pretty sure I never really recovered from that, from that experience, and I don't ever intend to. Okay, let's make that clear. I don't ever intend to recover from that. So it's interesting to me how the three elements of piety, study, and action that we all talk about in, the, in, in Curcio developed in such a natural way uh, for me. When I came into the church, I determined that I needed to testify to my faith both inside the church and outside the church. I had to do both of these things. So I began to consider how I could do that. Well, uh, outside the church, I became a Eucharistic minister at Beverly Hospital. I decided they were looking for volunteers, and silly me, I said yes to that. And um, what an experience that was. What, a, what an amazing experience of, of the power of the Eucharist, uh, the power of faith, the power of simply... Uh, Walking with somebody where they are in in a difficult in a difficult time, in many of them, in many cases, uh, and I and I really be, that was a that was kind of where that where that began. And I really do love to study and learn. Mom was an English teacher. Dad was a radio announcer. I love to study. I always have loved to study. I still love to study. Always got his nose in a book, you know, that's the, uh, the phrase. Always got his nose in a book, and I love to study. Uh, and suddenly, uh, in, the course of, in the course of my study and, and piety and, and, and action, uh, there, became, there sort of came alive a dimension to my relationship with Jesus that had not been there before. Here's, a way, here's how I came to think of it. Uh, and this happens, has no doubt happened to, to you in, 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 in a way. I hope it has anyway. It's like for years I felt like I, I was present when our Lord was preaching, like the Sermon on the Mount, you know, and there's all these people, and our Lord is, is preaching, and I'm doing, I, I was acting Catholic before I became Catholic. I was looking for a seat on the outside. I was looking for a seat at the last row, last pew. Where is the last pew here? Um, and... Uh, uh, always around the edges, but never really in the heart of what was going on. And I could hear him, and I was very attracted to it. And then, all of a sudden, one day, I become Catholic. I start living this faith a little bit differently. And suddenly, it was like he made eye contact with me. And inviting me closer to him, closer to him. Um, I wish I could describe it better than that. Uh, it was the practice of piety, study, and action that began to really make the, my relationship with him fruitful. It had always been there, and I was grateful for it, but it really became fruitful in that, in that moment. So my conversion to Christ was, 
was continuing. It's that continuing tense of the, of the Christian faith. It's the, it's the part that doesn't ever stop. It's not supposed to stop. And the more I followed those things, the deeper my relationship got with him. When 2009 came about, just a little while after that, something interesting began to happen. And people who knew a lot more about this than I did began to, began to ask me if I had ever thought about becoming a deacon. Well, no. <laughs> I, just, I hadn't even really thought about becoming a Catholic, much less becoming a deacon. Um, and, um, but people from just, there was people from, there was a, a, a woman at work, and there was somebody else at church, and there was somebody else somewhere else began to ask me if I'd ever thought about doing this, at, you know, even at the, at the hospital. Here's a true story. This will make you laugh. I know it's cold, but this will make you laugh. Okay, I'm I'm taking the Eucharist to uh, our Eucharistic ministers. Who have many Eucharistic? Yeah, yeah. Well, you will you will appreciate this. I go into, I go into the room in, uh, in in Beverly, the hospital in Beverly, and there's this little guy sitting on the edge of his bed, and he's speaking really loud. So I know that he's hard of hearing because people who are are hard of hearing tend to speak really loud, and that's kind of what he was doing. I could you could hear him down the hall. <laughs> As he was sitting on his bed, and he's talking to somebody on the phone. And I got there, and, you know, I've got all of this, you know, should I do this? Should I, is this something I should pursue? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know about it. I don't know enough about it. And he said to the person that he was talking to, and I swear to you, this is absolutely true. He says to the person he's talking to, listen, i got to hang up. The deacon wants to talk to me. Really, God? Really? Okay, you, well, you got my attention, right? Um, it's absolutely true. So at, at that point, I decided to talk to, this, talk to my priest, and I gave him all the reasons why I thought this was a bad idea. And I had a lot of them, you know. And, and I began to talk to God about this, too. Isn't there, aren't there people who do, do this? There's got to be people out there to, that are more qualified than I am to, to do this. The priest explained to me, this is Father Kiley. You probably know Father Kiley. Yeah, yeah. This Father Kiley explained to me very patiently that everything that was going on was an invitation to serve, to serve our Lord, was in the context of an invitation to serve our Lord. Uh, so I began to turn it around in my mind a little bit more seriously. And that was just about the time that, uh, sadly, my dad passed away. So for the next series of months, I was taken up with all the things that are that are all those things that impinge on on that the house had to be sold it had to be refurbed it had to be sold the estate had to be settled all all of this thankfully i'm an, i'm an only child so there was no contesting anything so it was just it was just me and well it's just me and the lawyers i, I guess which is not a not a great place to be for me <laughs> as far as i was concerned um, and he lived, he lived a long way away, so there was a lot of traveling back and forth, and it really kind of took some of the steam out of, out of what was going on. But by late in the year, by November, everything was ready to sell. We were just waiting for probate to, uh, to complete. And I could finally catch my breath. I could finally say, okay, where was I? Oh, yeah. Steakin stuff. Lord, where were we? On the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, I found myself at, at Our Lady 
Our Lady of Hope, kind of by myself early in the, in the evening in the presence of this. They have a beautiful statue of Our Lady of Grace, beautiful blue statue. She's, she's beautiful. And um, just I was just trying to be open to the Lord and just putting before him the question of whether I should pursue this. And in that space, without anybody else around, uh, Our Lady seemed to say to me, and I, cause I, don't hear, I don't hear voices, I don't hear locutions or any, any, any of that. God bless the people that do, uh, but I don't. But she seemed to say to me, she communicated to, to my spirit, she said this, I said yes, and now it's time for you to say yes. Oh. And... Um, that settled it for, for me. I, you know, this was not something I would ever have planned for myself. This is, this is my, my, one of my dear friends down in Florida says, this was not on my menu. This was not on my menu. But that settled it. I applied to the, to the, uh, the deacon program, and somehow I knew that's where I was headed, uh, that he was inviting me to serve him in this way. And a few months later, I received my acceptance letter. It wasn't until after I got that that I realized that not everybody who applied got one of, the, got one of those. Oh, so you must be serious. That letter is framed. It's on my wall. I'm, I'm, I just, it's like when I doubt myself, I look at that and go, that happened. That, I did not imagine that. That happened. There's the letter to prove it. So now you know why the Feast of the Immaculate Conception is special to me. It happened on that, on that day. These principles of piety, study, and action really paved the way. They paved the way for me in that, in that time. The deacon program is four years in length. I had 10 months before it was even going to start. Uh, now, I always had a thirst for, for study, for especially for, for uh, studying the Bible and theology. I love that stuff. Um, piety and action lagged way behind, <laughs> way behind study for me. I had a, uh, uh, I had a, a wonderful uh, girlfriend years and years ago, and I was at a family gathering of hers and her father. I can't even, I can't even imagine the courage that it takes to say something like this. It wasn't easy to hear, but he was right. He kind of pulled me aside and said, you know, all those years that you were in the, in the Protestant world, you, stu- you really studied the Bible, you really know your Bible well, but your life hasn't caught up to it. And the way that he put it was, your do-so doesn't match your say-so. Ah, oh, your do-so doesn't match your say-so. So piety and, and action were way behind the study part for me. And the faith for, for me for so long was something that was happening up here. And, you know, it's that longest, that what they say about the longest 18 inches is from here to here, right? Here to here. I was still very much a new Catholic at this, at this point, and there was a but there was a, a greater thirst that lay behind all of that. And I, I, it took me a while to, to piece this together, to see where this actually, how all of this fit. It was something that really began, if I have my, my mathematics correct, when I was eight or nine years old uh, and growing up on Cape Cod. One day I was looking for one of the neighborhood kids to play with, and the mother of a friend of the kids 
said that uh, that they were over in Buzzards Bay at, at a church at something doing something called a catechism class, and I was like, uh, "Yeah, okay, what's that? <laughs> I had no idea what that what that was." And she very, you know, kindly said, "Well, she and my, she and her family were were Catholic." And, oh, that's nice. I then I then went home, and this <laughs> this is true. I, I then went home and asked my asked my mother if we were Catholic. No, 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 no. You're not. You're not. Well, I didn't know what that meant, um, but I assumed it had something to do with God, right? I would assume that you would assume that. And on my way home, as I was walking down the road to ask my mother that, that question, the strangest thought hit me. And I have come to think, I've come to really believe that this is the first time, this is the first time that I'm really conscious of God reaching out to me, of our Lord reaching out to me in this way. The thought, the thought went through my head. If God is there, nothing else matters. If God is there, nothing else matters. Now, I didn't know what that meant for me, uh, but I've spent the entirety of, of my life proving that that's true. If he's there, nothing else matters. Everything else is secondary. You know, a journey... A journey of, of any kind has to start somewhere, and I've always, I've always thought that that was where mine began, because I've never been able to escape that conviction, right? And our Lord sought me out as the divine shepherd, as he does in his love to rescue me again and again and again, and times when I've gone astray, and sometimes he sought me out when I hadn't gone astray, just because he had something to say. And now I was entering a part of the journey that was completely uncharted, for me, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I was looking forward to the opportunity to uh, to study, and in in this time, I acquired a, a certification from the Theology of the Body Institute in Pennsylvania. I loved that. I loved that study. It was the study of, of John Paul and and his life and his and his writings. Oh, that was great! And uh, I got a certificate in Catholic theology from Notre Dame. Uh, this online program that they had, that took me a couple of years, actually. It was very invigorating. I just, I just loved the study, the, the study part of this. But as I continued in the, in the deacon program, the Holy Spirit communicated to me something that was both a, both a disappointment and a challenge. And while I was in prayer at, a, at one of the retreats we did, the Spirit invited me to open myself again to, to him, as he often does. And he seemed to say, you know what? You don't need any more information. You don't need any more information. I want to form you into my servant. And I said, yes, sir. I get that. Yes, I did. So not so heavy into the academics, more and more into the interior life and the contemplative life. And I heard that call. And of course, I said yes to that invitation, just as I had said yes to Our Lady, just as I had said yes to Our Lord when he invited me to walk away from the life that I had been living in the, in the counterculture and when he invited me into the church. Friends, I, I wonder what thing the Lord is inviting you to say yes to tonight. Because the truth is, when you say yes to his invitation, your yes is joined to the yes of Jesus when he said to his father, not my will, but thine be done. 
It's his eternal yes. It's joined to Our Lady's yes when she told the angel, let it be done to me according to your word. I wonder what door he is getting ready to open to you. I wonder what that, what that might be. That's exciting. You know, to see it, if he, if he opens that, uh, that door, if he does to it, if he does open that door, see to it that you listen where the scripture says, see to it that you do not refuse the one who makes this invitation. Don't refuse him. Say yes. You can be certain that if you, if you continue on your path of piety and study and action, he'll guide you. He'll guide you step by step. Uh, directly to the door that he is waiting to open for you. And friends, if there's anything that I can do to help you on that way, please let me know. I live for that. I live for that. Please let me know. Piety study in action. Great stuff. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you all.